0: Just if you're here for the first time, and if not, if you're here as a repeat offender, then you know that we're in a series on prayer, that we're talking about attitudes that we need to have when we come to pray. And they're listed for us, above us. We started uh, four weeks ago and we began with talking about we need to come with a sense of who God is, a sense of worship, of awe, of the greatness of God. Um, And it's an appropriate way not only to begin, but to have that attitude through our whole of our prayer. That night, Pastor David then spoke to us about God is not only transcendent and great and above us but he is close and intimate and he is our heavenly father and he is someone who wants a very close intimate relationship with us. The week after that we spoke about having an attitude of thankfulness for all that God does, for all that God provides, for all that he is is doing, for all that he promises us. Of opening our eyes and being aware and being thankful to him, it's only appropriate. Uh, Last week we spoke about uh, as we concentrate on who God is and as even as we reflect on our own life we become aware of our own fallenness our own stumbling what there's a rat on the platform is that what you said there. where is it has it gone? You're going to be distracted? Will I go and stand down there and you turn around? Thank you for having my perspective on things. Yeah. <laughs> Let's pray while I go look for the rat. Joe, go kill the rat, will you? Thanks. When you become aware of rats in your own life, it's appropriate for you to confess to God and say, God, I'm sorry for being distracted <laughs> What did she say? <laughs> the mouths of children. It's appropriate for us to be real with God, that's what he wants, a real honest relationship. That's why we need to confess our sins and say, Oh Lord, I'm sorry did it again or I'm doing this and it's not appropriate. So confession and repentance, that attitude is appropriate for us to have always and especially in responding and listening to what the Spirit might say to us. And then last Sunday night, Pastor David spoke to us, no, other way around. Um, He spoke about having a a forgiving heart, that always being ready uh, in our attitudes and relationships to others, that We confess our sins to God ourselves, but when other people sin against us, um, that we are to be ready to forgive them, not to hold it against them, not to be uh, letting bitterness develop in our heart or resentment, uh, but to pray for them and to certainly counsel and encourage them to get their lives back on track and to be ready to forgive. This morning uh, we spoke about submission, wherever that is, up here, way up the top. Submission and obedience. That when we come to God, He is the Lord, and we have requests, but we're to bring it with an attitude of submission to him. That's similar to tonight, where we want to talk about accepting God's responses. David and I spoke about it during the week. What's the difference between submission and accepting? It's pre and post. Having the attitude of submission, of when you're coming and asking God, not my will but yours be done, as you are praying. But when God answers you, of having an attitude of acceptance that however God responds, it's one of saying, well, you are the Lord and you know best and I accept that. Having an attitude of acceptance, which is very different to and the opposite to an attitude of defiance or even of disappointment. And there are times, aren't there, when we are disappointed with what God decides to do for us or we disagree or resistance. Uh, the attitude we have to have is one of accepting, acknowledging who he is and his character. And as we understand that, then the only appropriate response is to say, you get the whole picture and I don't. You know what I would want, but I, sometimes I'm so confused about, complicated by my own sin and choices and selfishness and everything else, I submit, I bow. I accept what your answer is, trusting that not only that you are good, but that you intend me good. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. So I ask you to bow with me and pray for the destruction of the rat. Heavenly Father, thanks for the opportunity we have to come together. We pray that you'll help us tonight to learn together, to be reminded together, but most of all to align ourselves with Your intentions for us, uh, that we can follow you realistically, closely, passionately. There's no greater joy, Lord, than knowing you and loving you and being close to you. So we desire that and pray that you might presence yourself amongst us tonight in a very real way, that we might sense your nearness, might hear your voice and respond appropriately to you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord Jesus gives a wonderful promise in Matthew chapter 7, where he says to ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. That's simple, isn't it? And in some ways, prayer is simple. It's asking, it's seeking, it's knocking. And as Jesus indicates, God responds to that. It'll be given to you. You will find what you are seeking for and the door that you are knocking on will be opened, the circumstances will change or whatever. But as you go on, as you grow and as you mature and as you read the scriptures, you'll find that, well, that's not all the Bible says about prayer. That's not all simple. Sometimes it's incredibly complex, complicated and sometimes disappointing. We are infants in the spiritual world and we do not understand all things. The wife prays for her husband who drinks too much and she's been praying for years for him to stop. And again, he was drunk last night. And she doesn't get it. Or a person prays for a job for a long time, for months. And there's nothing coming. And they come to the conclusion that nobody wants a 55-year-old manager. Or a husband prays for his wife who suffers from depression. And she's not getting better, she's getting worse, and now she's suicidal. Or we pray for a person's conversion for years, and there's no response. Or we pray for safety and travel. Sometimes, tragically, there's an accident and sometimes even people are killed. And that prayer is not answered the way that we intended, wanted. Or we pray for healing and it doesn't come. Couples pray to become pregnant and they can't. Churches pray for associate pastors and have to wait. We all pray to win Lotto, naughty. And we don't. Apparently you've got to be in it to win it. How does God answer prayer? Well, various ways. Sometimes, if the request is wrong, he'll say no. My granddaughter, when she comes to visit us, my granddaughter's, but the oldest one, Eleanor, when she comes, she loves me to make her porridge. So every time she comes, she asks, me to make her porridge. If she were to ask me one morning for ice cream for breakfast, what would be the appropriate response? Yes, I agree. <laughs> Spoken like a true grandfather, that's it. That's a bad illustration, isn't it? Doesn't fit the point. If the request is wrong, no is the response. What about if the timing is off? Well, God might delay the answer. He might still give it, but it might be no different time. Or maybe there's something wrong in us as we pray. There's all sorts of things. We spoke about that when we did confession a little bit, blockages and hindrances. And the appropriate response is confession and repentance. So sometimes the answer to our prayer is detained. But if everything is, you know, tick, 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 it's according to God's will, it advances his kingdom, we're in right relationship with him and it's good for us, it's good for them... And sometimes God will say that's a definite yes and sometimes then God will say, well, the answer is yes, but different. I've got something better. Have this, not that. Go for the Broncos, don't go for the Titans. That sort of direction. In all these things, however God answers our prayer, whether it's denied, whether it's delayed, whether it's a definite yes or a different answer, or whether it's detained, or whatever the word is, because of our own sin... Our attitude through all of that is to be one of acceptance, responsiveness to what God is saying to us. Because God is... See, our prayers are based upon our understanding of who God is. If Eleanor was to come to me and to ask me for ice cream for breakfast, that would be because of her understanding of my character. And she knows that I would give it to her. So when we come to God, it's based on our understanding. What's he like? And that's where sometimes where our prayers go astray because our understanding of God's a little bit skewed off. And it's a process of growth, of getting to know him better and better. But he is all wise. He understands all angles and he never makes a mistake. Therefore we should accept his answers. He's all wise. He's all loving. He's never cruel and he's never mean. Even though he allows terrible things to happen and you may think and feel and conclude that he is mean, The reality is he isn't. And there's information we don't have. There is parts of the puzzle that are not known to us. That if we did have it, we would clearly understand, like he says in the scriptures, that he is good and kind and loving. He's powerful. There's nothing that he can't do. He is sovereign. In his plans and in his purposes. That's why we should be accepting if he says no or if he says different or if he says not yet or if he says I've got something for you but it's different then we should be grateful. So I want to work our way through some of those things, talk a little bit about that tonight and then draw it to some hopefully helpful conclusion. What happens when our requests are inappropriate like win lotto or you ever prayed a prayer that God would judge somebody because they're hassling you, they're annoying you and you want God to get them even? You ever prayed that prayer? I have you read the Psalms it's full of it it's full of that sort of request of God entering the wicked are tearing them, and you judge them nevertheless submission not what I want but I'll let you work it out sometimes our requests are inappropriate because they're self-serving the Bible gives some examples of that you can think of your own Peter on Mount Transfiguration says to Jesus Lord it's really great for us to be here Moses Elijah and you and uh, peter james and john we six it's terrific let's build some tents and stay (laughs) jesus says no you don't understand the appropriate it's self-serving he wanted didn't want to go back into this sinful world or whatever james and john they come to jesus one day and ask him to reserve the best seats in the kingdom left and right not just for the good view but because they wanted to be powerful they wanted to be ceos in the kingdom of god And other requests as well. Sometimes our requests are just wrong and God says no. Sometimes, James tells us, James chapter 4 verse 2, our motives are wrong. Now this gets tricky. But you need to slow down and do some self-awareness and self-analysis of why am I praying this particular request? God looks on our heart. He knows exactly why we're praying it. And James says very clearly, you ask and you don't get it because you ask for exactly the wrong motives. For instance, heal my illness. Why? Well, to prove your greatness and so unbelievers will come to faith in you. Well, that's commendable. Or, because I want to be healthy and and happy again. Self-serving. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, but the motive is selfish. Oh Lord, make me rich. Why? So I'd have resources to give to the poor and to help others and to advance your kingdom. Or, because I like money and there's things I want to get. Our motives. Save this person. Lord, I'm praying for this lady Jane, hypothetical situation for me, that you would bring her to salvation. Why? Because she's an unbeliever and she needs to be forgiven and for her to have uh, eternal life. Or, save Jane, Lord, because she's a drop-dead gorgeous girl and I want to marry her. See how your motives can get mixed up? You're praying for something but perhaps it's not the right reason. Bring judgement upon this particular sin. Why? Because you are holy and just and honour your name. Or why? Because they're annoying me. Oh Lord, can you provide beautiful sunny sunshine days, beautiful weather. Why? So the farmers can bring in their crops or so I can enjoy the beach. Selfish, no And God weighs all the complexities of all of these things and gives us an answer according to his own sovereign will. Howard Hendricks told a story when he went to visit a church one day. It was a lecturer in a theological seminary. And this mum came up to him. He was only a young guy, whippersnapper, in his early 20s. Went and preached in this church. This lady came up to him and said, that she was praying for him that her daughter would be able to marry him. (laughs) To which he writes, he says, I've never been so grateful to God for denials to prayer. Imagine being God and trying to weigh all those sorts of things up. So God can say no sometimes because we're asking and it's just wrong. The stuff we're asking for is off kilter. Sometimes it's like that. And the only appropriate response is no. Uh, Sometimes God says no to us uh, because he loves us, cares for us, but he has something better for us. He's not trying to be mean or cruel or anything else. Um, Monica was the mum of a very famous theologian, Augustine. And there came a time in his life, uh, she was married to a non-Christian and he was... um, a bit of a bad guy, got into all sorts of mischiefs and young Augustine, his son, sort of followed dad's example and mum, the moniker, the mum, prayed fervently for her husband and for him, for the son. Came a time in his 20s, I guess, something like that, when he was heading off to Rome where he would have the opportunity not only to advance in his education but he also had the opportunity to advance in all of his pleasures. Rome was the centre of the self-serving world and she prayed fervently that he wouldn't go. The answer was no providence of God. He goes to Rome. He gets into a mess of trouble. But eventually he meets other Christians who have an impact on his life and he comes to faith. God says no to her prayer. Don't let him go to Rome. Protect him. God allows him to go to Rome because on God's agenda he had people there who would have an influence on his life and save him. From Monica's perspective, the answer is no. Brokenhearted. Disappointed. But God was working his purposes out. Accept them. Accepting what God is doing in all the circumstances of life. If God says no, it's sometimes because he does have something better for us. The timing is off or different. John chapter 11 tells a story of a guy called Lazarus who got sick. And Mary and Martha sent a word to Jesus who said, come. And Jesus said, no. Lazarus died. Four days later, Jesus does come. They were a bit disappointed, they were a bit cranky with him. If you had have come, you could have healed him. And this terrible thing wouldn't have happened. Jesus, in fact, says, John 11, 14, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad for you that I wasn't here because now you will have the opportunity to believe. Interesting, isn't it? This tragedy happens because God had another plan He's going to do something else. And of course you know the story, Jesus raises him from the dead. Just imagine a different scenario. Imagine Jesus had come. Imagine he had said yes before Lazarus died and had healed him. Well that would have been terrific but it would have been just another one of those miraculous healings. We would have missed the greater story, experience of Lazarus being raised from the dead. Sometimes God says no to us because we've got it wrong, we're asking a skew whiff It's self-seeking, self serving wrong motives. Sometimes God says no because he's got something better for us. Either way, the attitude is still to be, Lord, whatever you say, whatever you decide, whatever you allow, I will accept. I'll submit to that. Because I know you're wise, I know you're loving, I know you're powerful, I know you're good. I may not like it, I may be disappointed with it, but nonetheless I accept and I will continue to love and serve you. Just a sort of a sidetrack, I don't want to go too far down this road, but you might want to come and talk about it. Sometimes God no can certainly be kind to us and I don't understand it, but the Bible certainly does illustrate for us that sometimes God says yes to us And it actually leads to our hurt. Usually it's in the form of discipline or of judgement. Psalm 106 verse 15 says that God heard their request and he granted it but he sent leanness into their souls. Psalm 106 verse 15. Relating I think to the story like in Numbers 11 where the people of Israel prayed and prayed and prayed and whinged and whinged and complained. And eventually God just says, oh, all right, you can have flesh. And he sent them quail to eat. To the point where they were sick of it. God heard their prayer, answered them. But it wasn't for good. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Israel says, we want a king. God says, that's not a good idea. We want a king. God says, all right, you can have a king. But it won't work out well. And it didn't. Well, finally, Hezekiah, most of us have heard of him, the guy who God came to one day, sent the prophet Isaiah, and said, you're about to die, get your house in order. I don't know what you would do if you got that news. Hezekiah fell to his knees and prayed, wept before the Lord, and God sent Isaiah back to him. And Isaiah said to him, well, if you're going to cry about it, you can live for another 15 years. And he does. But do you know what happened in the next 15 years? terrible things the worst thing of all is that three years later he has a son Manasseh who was a drop kick who was the worst king of Judah ever if he had died that would never have happened but God granted his request strange and the providence of God God's still working his stuff out sometimes for discipline and for judgment we need to have an attitude of acceptance, of coming humbly before God, saying, Lord, as best I understand, this is what I think, this is what I would like, but you know much better. You see the big picture and say, not my will, but I want your will. Sometimes God doesn't say no and he doesn't say yes. It's just like silent or there is a waiting time. It's like there's a delay. Sometimes the timing is wrong. And God does that in order either to test our faith or to modify our request or to develop up to Christ likeness, or well, sometimes God, in just working stuff out, just needs time. Somebody over here has a um, a failing whatever it is, a failing kidney or a failing heart or a failing something, and they need a transplant, and this family gathers together and they play that God would provide a liver or a kidney or a heart or whatever, which is effectively to pray, hope someone drops dead soon, isn't it? So this family's praying for a heart and stuff and God wants to answer that prayer and perhaps will answer it in the affirmative, but he has to wait for this person to actually die. There's a timing thing for that prayer to get answered. Sometimes there's a delay and sometimes we understand it, many times we don't. But either way, we need to be accepting. Sometimes we ask maybe for right things, maybe for wrong things, maybe for right matters, bad doesn't matter, but there's stuff wrong in our life anyway. And God says, let's get this fixed up before we talk about these requests out here. That's the confession bit. We have to admit it, decide to stop it, and to say so to God. Here are five quick truths about God that I've sort of spoken about a little bit tonight and alluded to them, but putting them together. God hears all prayers. And he weighs all the evidence and all of the desires in putting it together. God hears everything we say. God always does that which is right, even when he is accused of doing wrong. It's always right what he decides to do. God never makes a mistake, number three. Number four, I wrote this years ago, based on the alphabet, Always believe that Christ does everything for good. He is just, kind, loving and merciful. Always believe that Christ does everything for good. He is just, kind, loving, merciful. Always true. And finally, number five, God calls us to trust him and to accept his answer because of who he is good, kind, just, loving and merciful holy and righteous but it's a choice will I accept what God is doing or won't I? yes? no God's answers to our prayers either draw us towards him in humble submission or for some people it actually is their motivation for moving away They are so disappointed and hurt by what God has not done, has not answered them the way they wanted, that they have moved away. It's a choice. So our final purpose in part of our creation is always to submit to God's will. That's what Jesus did in the garden. The Lord Jesus himself, God's son, came into the world for the purpose of dying for the world to be a ransom for us. But when it came, push came to shove, something not that we understand it all, but something wasn't right for him. So he prayed to the Father, I don't want to do this. Can we do this another way? Not my will, but your will be done. This wrestling. We don't have anywhere near enough information to understand it fully, but the interesting thing is that Jesus chose to bend his will. I don't want to but more than what I want to do, I want to do your will. He bent his will to the Father's will. And he chose to go along with God wanted. That's the attitude we're to have. Lord, I am praying and I'm praying you'll do this. That at the end of the day, not what I want, but what you want. What is part of your plan, your purpose? What's the best? You can see it. I can't. So when we come, we ought to pray according to God's will as best we understand it. But what about the times when we don't know God's will? And there are lots of those times. Well, ask God for wisdom and make an assumption. If God hasn't told you in the Bible, he's told us lots of things, hundreds of things, but if you can't find it and you don't know it, then ask the Holy Spirit to direct your thinking, to give you wisdom, and to make an assumption. If God hasn't said anything about it, then it's a choice. There's It's in the grey zone. Can I? Can't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? It's in that area. And which way do I want to go? And present that to God. Humbly, submissively, of course. But say to the Lord, Lord, I would like to do this. Should I buy this house or should I buy that house? I can't get any verse in the Bible about it. There's no direction on it. And I'm not sure of uh, what you're saying on this is, uh, here is my preference, I'd like that house. Can you help me get this house? And submit that to God. And then to have an attitude of acceptance of whatever his answer is, just to illustrate the point. So God hears billions of prayers. He answers them according to his will and our good. I asked Rhonda this afternoon is God really concerned about our good? When I ask him to do something, is God's filter, is that good for me? Or is he more concerned about, is that good for him? Is he more concerned about his glory, his honour, his kingdom than is about what's good for me? So is God concerned about me or is he concerned about his glory and honour? Her answer? Both. She's right, isn't she? He is concerned about his honour, his glory, his kingdom and he's concerned about me. He's concerned about you. They're not mutually exclusive. So God hears all of these billions of requests. He answers according to his will, his purposes and our good. And the complexity of all these requests and desires and prayers and circumstances is certainly beyond us. And yet for God, he pieces each part of it into the sequence which is just right for him to achieve his purposes. So when God says no, or when there is no answer to us, we have a choice. Lord, I know you're in control, I know you're sovereign, I know you're working stuff out. So in the midst of all of this, I still want to love you, trust you, and I will accept whatever you bring to me. God is always right. And God is definitely sovereign. And if you do get an answer to God, if something happens in your life, circumstances, whatever happens, I think it's okay to ask, why? Why, Lord? Why did you allow this? What are you intending? Just like Job. But it's also appropriate for us to ask, What now? Not just, why did you allow this? Why did you answer that way? But, okay, I accept the answer, so what now? I am your servant, and I want to love you, serve you, and obey you. So what now? What's next? Hmm. Before I pray, let me conclude by saying this. Job is a wonderful example to us, at least part of the book is, particularly at the beginning, where terrible things happen to him in a very short period of time and his response is one of, naked I came from the womb, naked I will go. The Lord gave, the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The next verse says, In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. That's like, wow. There's an attitude of acceptance, of God working his sovereign purposes out. And as Job, as you read through the book, you'll find that Job moves a little bit from that acceptance into one of, I don't get it, He's a bit frustrated, challenges God. And at the end of the day, God reveals himself to him in a way where Job just humbles himself before God saying you are sovereign and there are things going on that I haven't got a clue about but I honour you. You contrast that with Revelation chapter 16 where the people cursed God because of the hail that was coming. Things were happening instead of blessed be the name of the Lord, he's the one in control, it's rather curse you God. Circumstances either take us towards God or away from God. The question is, which one is it for you? So here are the questions we need to ask. Are my prayers in my own best interests? Is that why God is saying no? Are my prayers inappropriate? Are my relationships wrong? Does God wanting to do something different in my life and I'm off track, he's got something better for me? Is the timing not right? Are my motives wrong? With whatever God says and does, we need to have an attitude of acceptance to accept his decision anyway. And I think just like in this passage, and just like the Lord Jesus in the garden, when God does say no, unless there is very firm direction otherwise, I think it's okay to ask again. Jesus did. Paul did. And he is our Heavenly Father who wants us to be in an intimate relationship with him. And if we come to him and out of that relationship saying, Lord, I know you said no then, but I'm asking again, what do you say? Developing a relationship with him, I invite you to bow with me. Let me lead you in a prayer. Father, we've been at and talking about, this attitude of submission, of accepting. We acknowledge tonight that you are certainly wiser than we can understand, that your schedule is always on time. That you see all of the pieces of all circumstances and how it all fits together. And that somehow you are still constantly kind, loving towards us. We believe that you know what's best. So thank you, Lord, for sometimes saying no to some of our requests. We want to submit to you and to your greater wisdom. And we do believe, we're convinced that you have our best interests at heart because you are good, kind and loving. Lord, we know your will is better than ours. So we simply pray that your will will be done not ours we choose to accept your will our hearts desire us to submit and accept it, to surrender to you so Lord whatever you want whatever you decide whatever you are orchestrating and planning we are available we are your servants and with the Lord Jesus we pray not what we want but what you want i mean